Good evening and welcome to the services tonight. We're thankful for those who are joining us here and for those who are joining us on Zoom and for those who will join us on Sermon Audio. We're going to be moving into the book of Zechariah chapter 11. Chapter 11 tonight of the book of Zechariah. And I want to read this entire chapter. The first time through I want to skip a couple of verses and then come back and read them. And uh, this will probably be the only time during our study of chapter 11 that I'll read the entire chapter. Zechariah chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. Howl, fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, because the mighty are spoiled. Howl, O ye oaks of Bashan. For the forest of the vintage is come down. There is a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled. A voice of the roaring of young lions, for their pride of Jordan is spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, my God, feed the flock of the slaughter, whose possessors slay them, and hold themselves not guilty. And they that sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will have, uh, for I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. But lo, I deliver the men, every one into his neighbor's hand, and into the hand of his king. And they shall smite the land, and out of their hand I will deliver them. I will feed the flock of slaughter. Even you, O poor of the flock, and I took unto me two staves, the one called Beauty, and the other called Bands, and I fed the flock. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. Then said I, I will feed my not feed you, that that dieth, let it die, and that that is to be cut off, let it be cut off, and let the rest eat, and every one the flesh of another. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut asunder, that I might break my covenant which I made with all people. And it was broken in that day, and so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price. Excuse me, I want to skip to verse 14. Then I cut asunder mine other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of, foolish, of a foolish shepherd, for lo, I will rise up a shepherd in the land, which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither seek shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that that standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat, and tear their cloths in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock, the sword shall be upon his arm, and upon his right eye, his arm shall be clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. 
Now, I, I want us to remember that as we read through this chapter, as well as we've read through the chapters thus far in the book of Zechariah, most of this was written in verse when it was originally written. And that gives us some inside track about it, that it is not to be taken literally, but it is to be looked at from a spiritual context. It is to be looked at as uh, the Lord gives us spiritual information. Uh, the world, the lost, uh, they don't see things that way. They see it from a literal standpoint, but uh, the church is spiritually discerned. So we hope to have a little discernment here about this figurative language that's mentioned here. Now we're going to go back to verses 12 and 13. We did not read those two verses on purpose because we wanted to read the rest of it and see the figurative language. And as many of the commentators might mention, uh, they, they had all sorts of things that are going to happen in the future, all sorts of things that happened in the past. But let us look here at verses 12 and 13, and I believe we get some understanding about what this chapter is about. Uh, and as this passage is expressly applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll see by Matthew, we cannot err if we accept the whole chapter as uh, principally referring to him and his great work of redemption. So let's read verses 12 and 13. And I s said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price. And if forbear, if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it upon the potter, a goodly price, that I was prized at the, of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now this passage of scripture is quoted over in the book of Matthew. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and over here in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, we have this verse of Scripture quoted. Chapter 27 and verse 9. Now, there are three times here in the book of Matthew, in these last chapters, that the uh, number 30 pieces are mentioned. Here it is in verse 9 of the 27th chapter that this is mentioned uh, with regard to selling the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the, the chief priests had paid Judas. We could go back and we'd find out that Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver uh, to uh, betray the Lord Jesus. And we notice in verse 3 of this 27th chapter, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests. And then we go down to verse 9 of this chapter and it says, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. Now this passage of scripture here is quoted in the book of Zechariah. Now there's some uh, conjecture by uh, those who know better than I do about why Jeremiah is mentioned here, but to me it's probably just an issue by one of the translators, uh, like we find in another place that Joshua uh, is used instead of the name of the Lord Jesus. And here, Jeremy, Jeremiah was used instead of Zechariah. Jeremiah doesn't have this prophecy, but Jer uh, Zechariah does. And as we read it over there in the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, 30 pieces of silver, that was weighed out for the price of the Lord Jesus. And in Matthew, chapter 27, and verse 9, we have that fulfilled. 
the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed by with 30 pieces of silver. Jesus shares with us that so often in the flesh, in our natural estate, in our natural condition, that we have a real problem with the scriptures, and that's going to be a problem by many, uh, posed by many, as we look at the book of Zechariah, particularly as we're looking at chapter 11 now. The Lord Jesus shared with us in the book of Matthew, going back there again to chapter 22, and thinking about what he had to say here in Matthew chapter 22. Now the question that came up here was brought by a bunch of Sadducees, a religious group that were in his day and in his time, and they did not believe in a resurrection. And here in the book of Matthew chapter 22 verse 29, the Lord Jesus brings up this statement that answers a lot of why people don't understand or don't believe the word that we give uh, from the word of God. Now to us it's life and bread, to us it's food and water, but to many it is nothing but words. And here in the book of Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, we have the Lord Jesus bringing this point up. Now I'm stepping into a, a, a discussion here that the Lord Jesus brings about with regard to the resurrection. Uh, the Sadducees brought up a, a point and they said uh, in, in the Old Testament, if a man married a woman, and he died, then she was to marry his brother, and this happened, and their question came up there in verse 28, Therefore, if the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. They were all married to her. Now, who's she going to be in the resurrection? Well, they didn't even believe that. But notice the Lord as he brings up a point here that is so prominent as we discuss any of the scriptures, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err. You have a problem here. That that word is to, to stray or to lead astray. That means to go astray or to wander. So you do err. Not knowing the scriptures. Now that's number one here. He brings up this point that these Sadducees did not know the scriptures and not knowing them, they did not believe them. And when we get over to the book of Zechariah chapter 11 or all the book of Zechariah, we're going to find out that it's important that we believe the scriptures. And secondly, he brings out to these Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, but they bring up a hypothetical case with regard to the resurrection. He says, you don't know the scriptures, you err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. And we find that God is all-powerful, he's sovereign, uh, he rules and reigns, and so he does as he has predetermined as he is stated in the covenant of grace and we're going to follow that out here in the book of Zechariah. So if we look at the book of Zechariah chapter 11 uh, from a standpoint of an unbeliever we're going to have this problem brought to us. We do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. If we start applying this to all sorts of things or incidences we're going to find ourselves that are going to be in problem. Now when the, these two verses are brought out, verses 12 and 13, in the middle of this chapter, chapter 11, we find out that these verses, the, these are the keys to open and explain the rest. The 30 pieces of silver mentioned in this chapter serve for a key to open and explain the rest of the chapter. And that is that this passage is expressly applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read there in the book of Matthew. And we cannot err if we accept that the whole chapter is principally referring to him and his great work of redemption. So as we look here, let's keep in mind these verses found 
in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, that expressly speak of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as is brought out in the book of Matthew chapter 27, verse 9, then we will not have the problem of erring, not knowing the scriptures, and not knowing the power of God. We want to know the scriptures, and they are revealed to God's people, and we want to know the power of God, because that is what saves us. All right, let us go back here to the book of of uh, uh, Zechariah, and uh, in this chapter we're going to find that there's going to be a discussion uh, made between good shepherds and uh, bad shepherds. We're going to find that they're first of all brought out as bad shepherds, and we're not going to discuss a lot about that tonight, but we want to look here uh, particularly in this passage of scripture in verse 4, in Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 4. In this passage of scripture, we see some wonderful things about what God has provided for the church. It tells us here in verse 4, Thus saith the Lord my God, feed the flock of the slaughter. Now, it is true that throughout history, throughout time, that God's people have been, uh, well, if we read there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, some atrocious things took place with the children of God. They were really slaughtered. But we're also the children of slaughter, and that is what the, uh, we find with regard to the, uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the children of his great mediatorial work. We are the children of his death on the cross. We are the children of what took place there. And so we are told by Zechariah that the Lord my God said, Feed the flock. Now, as we look at this, we find that the scriptures are filled with passages of scripture that share with us what needs to be preached, what should be preached, what we want to have preached, and that is that we feed the flock of God. Now, I don't, I don't want to be curt about this, but in reality, we find out that when a preacher preaches, his message is for the church. His message is for the church. His, the Bible is for the church. Genesis to Revelation is a message to the church. We do not find in here that we have a separate message to go to the lost and a, another message to go to the church. We have a message that goes to the church, and this message is to be delivered whenever we have the opportunity. It is a message for God's people. Now, the Syrophoenician woman brought up a good point. She said, even the crumbs from the table are for the dogs. You know, it is God's good purpose and God's good blessing that when uh, people that from the outside are lost without help, without hope, and without a God in this world, not without God in this world, that it is pleases God at times for the, the crumbs, for the scraps, if you please, for those passages of Scripture, for that message uh, of encouragement to the church, strikes home with the lost sheep. God has that. He, he has it in his purpose. But the purpose, we find, with regard to the preaching of the gospel, was brought out by the Lord Jesus to the Apostle Peter after his great sin. You know, he did what we all do. We find out there in the book of John that he brings us out so clearly after Peter. And in, in many respects, Peter did nothing more or less than what Judas did. But Judas was not one of the elect, and Peter was. Judas was not salvaged. He went out and hanged himself. Peter was salvaged. He was brought grace, grace and grace. 
Now, in those last uh, few days before the Lord ascended back, he meets with Peter and he shares with him, Do you love me? Well, when Peter answered, Jesus said this, Feed my sheep. The next question, the answer is, Feed my lambs. And the answer to the third time was, Feed my sheep. Now, we're going to find out that there is a blessing in feeding the sheep of God. There's a blessing in preaching the gospel. Now, this gospel is just brought out in the book of Romans. Let's go over to the book of Romans there in chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Would you join me there? This passage of scripture is uh, often uh, brought up by people who don't know the gospel, but they're trying to prove that they're saved. They're trying to prove how they were saved, and they're all sharing with us that they perform some act. I believed. I, I, I. Well, when someone is saved, we, we confess he, he, he. We didn't contribute a thing. In fact, we were the negative force, if you please. We were the resisting force, and we're thankful that he has the ability of overcoming us. Now, here in the book of Romans, chapter 10, I'd like to read verses 14 and 15. Now, there's much more to be said here, but notice here, that in verses 14 and 15. Now, one of the things that we're going to notice in the preaching of the Apostle Paul, the preaching of Peter, the preaching of, of all of the apostles and all of the disciples that went out to preach, that their message was this message that's brought out here, that it is a gospel of peace, glad tidings of good things. That is what is to be preached. Nowhere do we find that we're going to have conversions made by preaching hell fire, and damnation. We don't find that in Scripture. We find that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So to feed the flock is what the Lord tells Zechariah to tell to the people. Now, it is a flock. It is a flock that's marked out. It's a flock, flock that has been purchased by slaughter, by blood. It is a flock that is known unto God. He assembles them according to his good purpose and his will. Well, here in the book of Romans, and if you we read back just a little bit, we find the verses of Scripture that people want to go to, religious people want to go to, but let's look at verse 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How can we ask someone to call on the Lord when they haven't even believed him? And then it goes on, and how shall they believe on in him on whom they have not heard? There must be the preaching, there must be the gospel preached, something must be said. And how shall they hear without a preacher? God has an order about it. Now, he's the one that provides all the necessary activities. He's the one that provides faith. He's the one that provides grace. He's the one that provides repentance. He's the one who provides everything. We can not contribute anything. When we contribute, we're not involved. Uh, I mean, it's just not going to come to fruition. But when we're not in the mix, when he does it on our behalf. All right, now notice verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? The scriptures tell us the Lord himself said that pray ye the Lord of the harvest that you go that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Now, he's the one that sends the laborers and he's the one that sends the laborers into the harvest and they have a message to go into the harvest with. It tells us here in verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written, Old Testament scripture Brought into the New Testament, part of this message that the Apostle Paul is sharing with the saints at, at Rome. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. Now here's the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing it is to find out that in our salvation, he has provided us with a peace with God. The peace with God we cannot provide. It is a peace that is provided for us. God has poured out his wrath on his own son. He has treated him as our substitute. Our sin has been imputed to him who knew no sin, and he paid the very last bit. In fact, he paid double, it says, for all our unrighteousness. So, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. It's our responsibility to preach that peace is only through Jesus Christ. But it is a peace. It is a peace that passes all understanding. It is a peace that God gives us to know that we shall be presented spotless, without any flaws, without we'll be presented spotless. And that's God's business to do that, is his, his requirement to do that. It is part of the covenant of grace that he will do that. So he's going to preach peace to us, and that peace is with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has made peace. And then it tells us, and bring glad tidings of good things. This is the gospel. It's not preaching hell. It's not trying to scare people into heaven by preaching hell. It is preaching the gospel. It is preaching the gospel of peace, to bring glad tidings of good things. And when we read this, we can find out that as we go through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we go to the covenant of grace, that it is revealed to us as much as of it is revealed to us in the scriptures, we're going to find out that that covenant of grace had glad tidings of good things for us. Though we were sinners, he takes away sin. Though we're in a pit, he lifts us out of the pit. Though we don't have any foundation, he puts us on a foundation. Though we don't have a song to sing, he gives us a new song in our heart. Though we don't know which way to go, he establishes our going. So it's all good news in the gospel. We have the best news possible that he's a savior that saves and he's established peace and he's established, what does it say? Glad tidings. It is not a, a message of uh, gloom and doom. It is a message of free and sovereign grace. And that is what the preacher is to preach. Now, thanks be unto God when that message is preached that there is a, 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 a crumbs of that falls out into the lap of the lost. But our message is to preach all that God has done on the behalf of his people, that he's completed it all. When he said it is finished, it is finished for all of his people. When he said he paid the price for our sin, he paid for all our sin. When he satisfied justice, he satisfied justice for us. When he, when he uh, satisfied righteousness, he satisfied righteousness and imputes it to us. So we have all these good blessings, and that is what we are to feed the sheep. What's what we're to feed the church? We're to share the greatness of God Almighty in Christ Jesus and all the rich blessings that he provides. Turn with me to another place, if you would, here in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. In Ephesians, chapter 4, again, this wonderful message is given. Nowhere do we find in the scriptures that there was a preaching of hell, fire, and damnation. We know that that is a place prepared for the devil and his angels, and that's a place that those on the left hand will go. But God's people are saved by grace, and they're saved by the preaching of peace. 
that God has established peace. They're saved by the good news of the gospel. We're saved by the blood of Christ. We're, we're saved. That's a wonderful thing, to have the knowledge that we are saved, that we've been passed from death into life, that we have this life in us because of Christ. Well, here in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, as the gospel is declared, he said, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. This is what God gave for the church. He, he appointed, in the Old Testament, he appointed uh, prophets. We have the prophet Zechariah. He was doing what he was called on to do. God called him to that ministry, and God called him to write that book. This man was a holy man of God. Now, he was not holy in his flesh. He's holy before God. He was a sinner saved by grace. But God called him, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God called him holy. The only way he could be holy was to have the holiness of Christ. And so he is God's person for the hour to preach the gospel in his time. And we find when he preached to the church, he preached, what? Good news. Peace. And as we read here, these that were appointed, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ the building up of the body of Christ the the uh, uh, act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom piety happiness and holiness now what does that mean we're told that Christ fulfilled all of those offices that it is not us, but it is he that has provided for our wisdom, our happiness, our holiness, and that we are built by Christ to be edified, as it tells us there, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we have this glorious message that's been given since the very beginning. You know, when uh, Abel went out there and offered that sacrifice. A lot of things went through his head before he offered that sacrifice. There was a relationship with God that he had peace. There was a relationship with God that he had been purchased. There was a relationship with God that he had been redeemed. There was a relationship with God that God was his Savior, that he was a sinner, and he needed a Savior. And he's showing this by the sacrifice that he presented. You know what? He heard the good news. He heard the gospel. God brought it to him, and God worked a work of grace with him. We look at his brother, and he brought a, an offering that was not acceptable. Why? Because God had not given him grace. God had not given him the good news of the gospel. And we find out what happened to him and how he went out. Now, we find that the, the uh, comparison between the false shepherds and the true shepherd Jesus Christ is brought out in this chapter, the 11th chapter of the book of Zechariah. So would you turn over there with me again as we think about these things about how God uh, instructed his prophet, instructed his prophets in fact, to bring this good news. What's it say there? Zechariah chapter 10 verse 4. He said here, feed the flock. Feed the flock of the slaughter. Feed the children of God. Feed those who are uh, uh, associated with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Feed those folks. They're my folks. They're my sheep. They're, they were lost sheep. Now they've been found sheep. I brought them into the fold. 
I have covered them. I have provided for them. I've taken away their old rags and given them a robe of righteousness. I've taken away their their uh, old stony heart and given them a heart of flesh. I've given them the new birth. They've been uh, sanctified by me. They've been set apart by me. They've been every spiritual thing that was required by God has been provided. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, in our natural state, it's not good news. In our natural state, we don't want to hear about grace. We want to hear about something that we do. I mentioned this sometimes in the past about uh, when the uh, box cake mixes originally came out. You didn't have to do anything. Just add water. Make it, a, make it from a dry pile into a moist pile and put it in the oven. You know, it didn't work. People were not happy with it. Well, they started doing some research and found out that people wanted to do something to make it their cake. So they said, add two eggs or add an egg or something. And so it is. Success was had. Cake, box cake mixes became a success. You didn't have to start from scratch. You could just pour a box out. You could put some oil, you could put some eggs in, you could put some milk, and now it was your cake. Well, that's the way it is in religion. We want it to be ours. We want to have a hand in it. We want it to be our faith. We want it to be our belief. We want it to be ours. Well, the cake mix is God's, and He is not going to ask us to provide anything. We are going, it's not a potluck dinner, we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and He provides everything. He provides all the grace. He provides all of the, of the goodness of God. He provides all the redemptive work. He provides all the cross work. He provides everything, and so it is with him. He's providing it all. Back in the book of Zechariah, I believe it's there in verse, uh, in verse 7, yes, and I will feed the flock of the slaughter, even you. I will feed them. And you know God has done that through all ages. He has fed his church. He has fed his people. And it's evidenced by them having faith in God, believing God. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Moses uh, was not willing to be called the son of Pharaoh. By faith, Moses kept the, the Passover. By faith, the children of Israel. It was all the faith of God that he had given them that they could do those very things. The uh, false shepherds are going to produce something else. They're going to, and as we've read through here, we're going to find out the, that these shepherds have no interest in the sheep. They have no interest except in what they could get out of it. It says here uh, in verse, uh, verse 3, there is a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled, a voice of roaring of the young lions, for the pride of Jordan is spoiled. God's going to spoil those, those uh, shepherds, those false shepherds. But we have a good shepherd that's mentioned here, and he calls out shepherds to preach the gospel to his people. Verse 7, I will feed the flock of the slaughter, even you, the poor of the flock. And I took upon me two staves, the one I called beauty, and the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. That's the words that we find with regard to the Lord Jesus he does it through his preachers. He does it through his evangelists. He does it through his prophets. This is what he does. And now he has two staves there. It tells us he has, and we'll look at this more uh, as time goes on. He has two rods or two staffs. And one of them is uh, speaking of I call beauty, and we'll look at that what that means. And the other one he calls bands. But you know what he does? 
His rod and His staff, they comfort us. This is what He does with those. He is the one that guides His sheep. He's the one that calls His sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We have the glorious voice of the Lord and it is so in tune with this new creation in Christ Jesus that He's able to lead the flock. He's able to bring them out. He's able to to call them. And He's able to let them know where they stand before God. It's not a mystery. It's not a mystery where they stand before God. It is a knowledge of the church that they stand before God in perfection. He has redeemed them. He's paid the very last farthing. He He has everything taken care of. So, as these, these false shepherds are going to preach something else, they're in it for their own, this shepherd, the good shepherd, who giveth his life for the sheep, he has these staves that he guides and directs his uh, flock with, and then it tells us there, and uh, they said, uh, verse 9, I will not feed you. What a difference. You know, he, the Lord mentioned during his own ministry, that a hireling, a hireling would quit. But this shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, went to the cross on the behalf of his people. He's the covenant Christ. He's the covenant God. So as we look at this, we find that the gospel that we are fed is a good, it's good news. It's a good news to us. It brings us out of desperation. It is all of him. It's all of grace. He corrects our thinking. He corrects our uh, mind. And uh, we truly are brought to him, and there we're going to feed, even as he shared to a group of people one time, uh, they without exception wondered what he was meaning when he said, uh, except you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part with me. Well, some said, how can that happen? And down the road a little ways, a group of people said, oh, we got this figured out. We're going to take this blood, this wine, and we're going to convert it to blood, and we're going to take this toast and we're going to convert it to the flesh of Jesus and we're going to eat it that way. That's not what he meant anyway. in any uh, form. He meant it spiritually that God's people feast on the blessings of the shed blood of Christ and God's people feast on the broken body of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in a sense that it is so close to us. so It's so nourishing to us. And so we're not going to fall for the literal we're going to go to the spiritual. He is our sh- our shed blood. He is our broken body on the behalf of us. And that's what we'll look to. So uh, we're going to stop right there tonight. And we'll pick up this and look at this uh, chapter 11 uh, with a little more uh, as we go through verse by verse. And we'll look at this and see that Jesus Christ is the one that is mentioned. And he's mentioning that there are those who will not feed the flock because they don't have the food, and then there are those who will feed the flock because they follow the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd has the guidance, he has the Word that is our guide, he has all of this, and he's laid out, and his people will follow him, and uh, even as they, in the Old Testament there, they'll follow the cloud, and they'll follow the fire, just like the children of Israel did as he moves us closer and closer every day, to our redemption drawing nigh. Well, thank you for joining us. May God bless you.